You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much, as always, and thank you from our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Dedicated solely to uh, making sure you're not going to get screwed by the insurance companies. That's right. Now, they may not use that language, but I did. They'll document any actions of bad faith by the insurer, and uh, they'll protect your rights and hold the insurance company accountable. That's a good thing. They're not Morgan & Morgan. they got offices throughout the state of Florida. If you file a claim and you don't get back what you think you should, it's not over there. Call the Morgan Law Group. They'll go out and fight for you. Storms, hurricanes, roof damage, lightning, mold, fires, boats, sinkholes, you name it. Give a call today, 888-904-2524, or go to policyadvocate.com. On with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Super Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right freaking now. Yeah, here we go. I see Ira, I see Corey. I'm Jeff. Thanks to all of you for listening. Still, still hanging in there. Still hanging in there. We appreciate that. Register Sausage, I've got a bunch of it coming my way. I'm pumped. I'm going to swing by after we record today's show. Ira, it's like a it's like a drug deal, but it's on the up and up, is going to hand me uh I don't know, what, what, 25 pounds worth of sausage? It, we'll, we'll see. But, we, uh, yeah, we actually had a big uh, drop-off in, in a parking lot last week. Corey and, I, Corey and I had lunch <laughs> with, with Ben, the sausage guy, and then he took us out to, the, uh, out to his nondescript SUV and uh, handed us some packages. And I actually, I actually transported some of the sausage across, across state, state lines. lines. So um, it could be a federal. I'm fe- <laughs> it's a federal uh, offense now. Corey, were you in a Trans Am? No, no, <laughs> no, I was not. I was not a Trans Am. Yeah, that would have been even cooler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the days. I was, oh. follow, I was following him. In, I was following him in a truck with my dog. So, but so I was carry, carrying the payload. But get your sausage, folks. That thing, they, it's awesome. It's really good. The, All right, uh, Jeff, you're going to see, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to give a uh, testimonial. Yeah, next well, time we do it. Well, yeah. second, you're going to be uh, parroting whatever your kids. What your kids and your wife and uh, friends and oh, he's gonna eat neighbors it. have to say. So listen, you gotta understand, it's not lost on me that uh, sausage and beef and and other things that I haven't eaten in a long time are delicious because I spent a large segment of my life eating those things. So I, I'm quite sure they're delicious. I can I can imagine as my children are wolfing down the sausage just how good that is, and and I'll be able to with conviction give that testimonial next week. 
I'm excited. And about uh, it. and we're gonna have big news coming soon. Uh, he was telling us they've expanded operations. They're gonna have more locations, parts of the state that are gonna be selling registered sausage, wow. and uh, and also as we've always said, go to registeredmeats.com and you can order registered sausage uh, no matter where you live. Well, it's exciting to help a business grow that way, uh, partly because we, we care about the business, but also it means a lot more money for all of us. So that's good. Yeah. I'm glad. Dollar bills. I'm going to have to Dollar bills, step baby. up a little bit with all that we've done for them. Uh, all right. So, you know, it's a, it's a lost season. It pretty much already was. Uh, but it's a season now where uh, certainly you got to be on quit watch. Um, you don't know how many kids are going to transfer. You hear stories. We all do that. There's sort of some infighting going on with the team, with the older players as opposed to the younger players. We know just from looking at the numbers of the participation uh, that Florida State plays, uh, if, if they're still not number one, to at the most amount of young players uh, of any team in the country in terms of uh, the amount of snaps that the freshmen are getting and, and, and redshirt freshmen and sophomores are getting. And that's a good thing because that's what they're going to have to play for. Uh, and they're going to have to hope like hell some of these kids decide to leave. Um, they can probably help usher some of those kids out of there. Uh, and now it's just going to be fascinating to find out how they feel the team that's competitive. And, and I don't know that they can. Um, I would predict that they're going to get blown out by NC State. Uh, I don't really know that they're going to be competitive in a game this year unless it's Duke at the end of the year. Where do you guys stand on this? Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard, it would certainly be hard to predict them uh, beating anybody at this point. Um, you know, the when you look at the game last week, uh, you know, the, obviously all the focus is on the offense. And, you know, we give the defense a little bit of a pass because uh, so many of the points were set up by turnovers or short field. But the reality is they weren't any good either. Um, and, you know, and you're taking more players off of it. They're very shorthanded because a lot of guys didn't play. Um, but they'll probably be shorthanded the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think there's two ways to look at this whole thing is, you know, with the way you started it, it's a lost season. Worrying about the, the what happens from week to week probably is just going to cause you aggravation. Yep. Uh, the, the question is, what's going to happen in the long term? I don't know, man. I, I I still think Mike Norvell's a good coach. I still think, uh, for the most part, he's got a good staff. I think he may need to look at a couple of situations and decide if that's where he wants to stay or if he wants to make changes. Um, but at the end of the day, like people shouldn't let these kids – who have failed under three different coaching staffs, you know, in the older players dictate whether or not a guy or his staff are competent coaches or could do the, at some point, no. you know, at some point you have to stand with a staff. And I just think the problem with Willie was he hadn't given the administration any indication that he was going to be that guy. So you make a change. If they believe Mike Norvell is going to be that guy. And the problem is with these players, the man, you know, let's mount up. It's going to take a little while, but but ride with it. But you can't let the fact that these particular kids haven't bought in, or at least some of them, and the older ones, that does that's not a referendum on anything. Yeah, they don't have choice though either. Ira, it wouldn't matter if they weren't sure about this staff. They can't fire anybody. They're broke. Well, we said that last time, and they did. Um, so people hear that. But uh, no, I know that's the truth. It's more truthful now. But we said it. We said of it course. this time, uh, thirteen months ago, and they fired. They fired the guy. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to, it might come across as unfair to Willie Taggart now looking back. I mean, I, that's fair. Like you saying that us believing that he can't, Norvell can't get fired after 27 games. Just can't. It's not, it's not whatever it was. 21 games, 21 games, 21 games. Yeah. 
even if he's seven and fourteen, they can't do that now. So Ira's right in the sense that, man, yeah, ride with these guys because they're not going anywhere anytime soon. They can't. And some people might be like, well, why didn't you do that with Will Taggart then? And the answer to that is, it does not matter anymore. He's gone. We we don't need to litigate that anymore. Hey, can we pause? Can we pause for one second, man? I get these guys are coming to do something. I didn't know they were coming right now. They're, I just saw them pull up though. They're doing something on our on the back of our house. Can can you guys just wrap finish this segment um, yeah. without yeah. me? And I'll yeah. situate that. All right, you could have just stood up and walked away, and we'd have done it. Well, then you would have been like, "Where's Ira going?" Whatever. Uh, anyway, Corey, go ahead and say your point because I want to respond to it. I've got yeah. something. There. Go ahead, Ira. Go for it. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that you know we can look at that and say, "Well, that's not fair. That's not how it worked with the last coach, and he only got 21 games. So riding and dying with this coach when it's not beginning any better, it's getting worse. Doesn't make sense. All that's fair, but it doesn't matter anymore. Willie Tiger got fired. Mike Norvell is the coach, and now you have to just kind of say. You ha- he has to have time. You can't do this again after 21 games. And I was right. Like, at some point, and maybe it's not fair to Willie Taggart. Maybe we gave him too much blame last year. I don't know that that's necessarily the case because of the stories you hear. But maybe we gave him too much blame. And Well, let me put it this way. We didn't put enough blame on the players. And now, the play- now it seems as if we're shifting blame to the players. But you know what? We now have three coaching staffs worth of examples of why these players can't be trusted why they're not as good as we thought they were, and why you have to get some of these dudes off a roster to improve. Also, those players were broken by that process. I mean, some yeah. of those players might have been good players at one point. Yeah. But they're no longer that because they've played for three different coaching staffs. You know, uh, I was thinking about that, Jeff. Like, uh, I was thinking about that today before we started the show. Like, because I think yesterday you were talking about, look, these players just aren't any good. And my count, my counter to be, well, Arkansas's players probably aren't that good. Why do they win? Well, but but the counter to that is, yes, it's the same thing with James Blackman. We both think we know James Blackman had a ceiling, not a high one, right. but it certainly was higher than this. He he showed promise at the end of his freshman year that he might become something of a legitimate college quarterback, and then he just cratered. And that's, that comes with losing, that comes with lack of confidence, lack of belief, all that stuff. And just extrapolate that for an entire roster. That seems to me what's happened. They've become James Blackman. These guys could have been good players under a different uh, under different uh, circumstances. Yeah. Circumstances, they could have been different. They could have been a better team. I, I think it's important to, because people want to label things as all of this or all of that, and here's the reason, and this is why it's unfair or fair and all that. I don't think it works that way. Every situation's different, and you got to look at each situation individually. Go back to, I, I'm not going to relitigate this, as you said, Corey, but go back to Willie Taggart. If we had said they should fire Willie Taggart because he's losing football games, and then we're not saying that now, that would be unfair. I don't think any of us said the reason Willie needed to be fired was because of his overall record. Right. It was because of the stuff that was happening that we knew about behind the scenes or that wasn't happening, more importantly. Right? So yeah. he didn't give them a reason to believe that he could fix the situation. Now, that's a different deal than what we're talking about right now. I, I, I think that you'd be crazy. You don't hire a coaching staff and then fire him in year one. That's never going to happen unless he's guilty of a crime or something crazy. So you especially don't talk like that in year one when it's the third coaching staff in four years and it's a COVID season. 
Yeah. I mean, there are outlier results everywhere. Uh, you know, we, we point to LSU every week, but, I mean, Penn State's 0-3 and, and just got blown up by Maryland. I mean, there are weird results happening all over the country, and people will pick an outlier and say, well, that guy's winning at Arkansas. Okay, fine, you can pick an outlier, or you could point to BC or something like that, but I'll just point to Penn State, and I'll just point to LSU, and I'll we can do this all day. It's dumb. Clearly, this is a weird season. So back to Ira's original point, which is, you really probably need to get past the the um, the idea that every game is a referendum. It, it, it's not. It can't be. And it also not only can't be for your own mental well-being and your emotional well-being, it's just not going to happen. Florida State is not in a position to be able to do anything. So regardless if you think that's fair or not, it is pointless, to your point, Corey, that to even really exercise that argument because we're not going anywhere with this. And I will say this. I was really happy to hear Mike Norbell say to the sideline guy that he basically admitted, and I think he was telling the fans, oh, you think this is bad? It's going to get worse. It's, it's almost like what Scott Frost did. I don't know if Scott Frost is going to succeed or not at Nebraska. It doesn't look like it, but we'll see. But I did agree with the tact that you need to tell people the truth. If you're in the middle of a major rebuild, you better tell them that. Expectations aren't too high. I mean, that was a mistake Willie made, right? I mean, the fact that he said that they've got to bottom out for this to get better, basically Norvell's telling everybody, oh, we're just we're just scratching the surface of the rebuild, boys. Hang in there. Yeah, I don't know, though, because he, he was reluctant to even acknowledge that when asked about it. I mean, Aslan, Aslan asked him about it after the game, and Norvell basically kind of, uh, I, I thought he, he kind of dismissed it. Back, it. But we know um, thanks because he said it. Well, I got gotcha, you, and I and I agree with it. Um, but I think the the he's coaches, and the thing that I, th- I was thinking about this the other day, like people are so mad, and my dog's freaking out because we've got people working. It's all right, uh, I can't hear it. You're so, good. Um, the thing with like coaches in, in 2020, in this era of of live streaming video press conferences, and people, you know, all the breakdowns of press conferences right after everybody's watching all of this. There's they have to they're trying to do two things at one time. Like one, they're trying to build up any guys, especially when you come into a losing program, they're trying to build up guys who don't have confidence, who don't believe in themselves, and who may not believe in their teammates. So so he spends a lot of time trying to talk those guys up. If you go back to his comments in preseason practice, now he never proclaimed that they were going to be great or anything, but, but when he would talk about individual players, this guy had a remarkable camp. This guy has a wonderful approach. This guy, you know, all those things. And so he's trying to build those guys up. If he comes out and says, man, this is going to be a disaster. Like, you know, I mean, Mike Leach calling out his team, as you mentioned, Scott Frost calling out his team, like people want to hear that, but I don't know that that's the right approach either. It's not like, it's not going, no, I'm not saying you're saying that was right. I'm just saying it's, it's a tough situation to balance that. I mean, in the corporate world, you don't have daily press conferences. You know, if you take over a failing business, right. you don't have to give daily press conferences to talk about how you're doing and trying to lift up the spirits of the of the the staff. Um, so it's just a tough situation. But but at the end of the day, you know, the administration and the fans, anybody that's watching this, you have to judge these coaches based on what the information we have now. And we've all talked to Mike Norvell a lot. I think he knows what he's doing. You look at the offense and what they're trying to accomplish, they know what they're doing. I mean, even 
even on those drives that that were awful, that end up going, you can look at the plays and it's either receivers who don't make plays, linemen who can't block, or a quarterback who's played five football games, even when Jordan Travis was in there, and 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 is making poor decisions or poor reads. Those aren't I mean, you could say that it should be better right now, but man, good luck. If you can't block and you don't have receivers and you have a quarterback who hasn't played much college football, man, I mean, uh, good luck. That's all I, I mean. I, I mean, I think we've decided it. I mean, look, they're not – the evidence is overwhelming. The last two games, it's overwhelmingly so. They're not going to, to compete at a high level at any point this year. Yeah, but that, um, doesn't, that doesn't mean these guys can't do it. The question no. is how oh, long it's going to take. Oh no! But it also doesn't mean that they can't be criticized. Oh, like, for sure. You know what I mean? We're, we'll we'll do that plenty too. We're not here to be their um, agents yeah, and say they're doing them. a great job. Yeah. I just think we're trying to be realist and pragmatic yeah. here. You got to be pragmatic at this point. Seminal headlines on Seminal ID. ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal headlines presented by Capital City Bank returns now on ninety-seven nine ESPN Radio. So yeah, to the point where people feel. Listen, there's a level of apathy I'm sure seeping in. I mean, I'm oh, sure you buddy, guys. There's apathy in the, with these three guys. <laughs> Only one of us has to go take, make a six and a half hour drive to go watch them get boat raced in Raleigh in front of twelve people. Man, you get to go to the piss palace, baby. Yeah, oh, ain't gonna eat, not gonna be any piss there. There's nobody yeah. there to piss. No, you can go to the fair. You can go to the well, fair. that's true. I think that's where I park. Maybe you have by some the fair. conversations with the locals. Yeah, uh, get a feel for their worldview. Uh, <laughs> probably not. Uh, probably just keep my head down and walk to the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Uh, my point would be, uh, it's it's a lost season. It is a year zero. It is all those things. And and really, I I think you've got to be mentally prepared for this team not winning a ton next year. I, I they've got so much rebuilding to do. I I just don't know by definition that you can expect much. Uh, I wouldn't say that you can expect them to go two and whatever next year. But I, I think they're going to struggle again next season. So it's going to be a while. And um, we've watched other programs go through it. And and for, for, for I'll speak for, for Knowles. We haven't had to go through it. Our worst years at the end of the Bowden era were still bowl seasons and, and still years where you could win eight games or something. Um, this is the true what Florida went through, what uh, back in the day we watched Notre Dame and in uh, Alabama and Michigan and all these programs, Oklahoma, Oklahoma went through it big time in the '90s before Bob Stoops got there. We're we're in the midst of that, and it's happened everywhere. It just hasn't happened here, but it is happening right freaking now. And they have had so many tough things in terms of circumstances to try to navigate. Not only are they going through this, they've been really unlucky. I mean, really unlucky. Of course, Pickett played everybody. Of course, he did, because. It, it wouldn't be this year if he didn't. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't, wouldn't you have yeah. wanted to play if you were Kenny Pickett? Oh, uh, go, yeah. <laughs> going to that game. Um, yeah, you know, you know, to Corey's point that we don't know if they're the answer either is true. I mean, the biggest question about this staff coming in was would they be able to recruit at this level? Right. And that's the one. You know, the you know, Florida State fans and people that cover this team, we've only had a few situations in terms of head coaches to even think about. Yeah, Bobby Bowden for oh, 35 years. Yeah, Jimbo for eight or 10, including his time as coordinator. <laughs> Willie for two, and now here we are. Jimbo's advantage, obviously, was he had already been here for a few years, and he had recruited at this level. And he hired a staff of guys who had recruited at this level. Yeah, yeah. Norvell didn't do that. Florida State didn't go out and hire Dan Mullen 
and I'm not saying that Dan Mullen's a good recruiter, but they didn't go out and hire a, a, a power five head coach. So this is going to be, nobody knows what, how he's going to be able to, we don't know if he would have been able to recruit the kind of kids they need if they'd had success this year, that was going to give them a chance. Now that they haven't had success, and I guess you know, and I understand that's why people have a, a a dire. They feel like this is a dire situation because how are you going to even keep the kids you've got committed, let alone go out and finish this class with anybody really good after you've put this product on the field in your first season and you've never coached at this level? So yeah, I'm not trying to paint this as a better situation than it is. I'm just saying I don't think we can't let what these players are deciding. It, it, whether or not they're bought in to determine anything. No. Because I don't no. really care what I don't really care what seventy-five to eighty percent of those kids really think. No, no, I don't at all. I think they're probably I think the hardest job for Mike Norvell right now and his staff is to make sure they keep those freshmen and and and, and redshirt freshmen engaged and bought yeah. in and and in in many ways they have to try to recruit those kids. Those are their and, guys. Yeah. And then they've got to obviously you got to find some unique kids that want to be part of a rebuild, that want to be part of uh, changing culture and 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 getting an opportunity to be, uh, you know, to to be part of the solution. I it's hard. You're not going to win recruiting battles with the five stars right now that that Clemson's getting, Alabama and Georgia get, and Florida gets some. You're not getting those kids. So, and you got no shot really to get them unless they're truly unique or maybe they're a legacy or something like that. But maybe you, they've been in a coma. Yeah, <laughs> but. You know, listen, all of those programs, the aforementioned programs that went through it found a way, that their coaches found a way to get good enough players in the interim to take that step up, which then opened up the opportunity to get the, the elite players eventually because they saw something positive was happening. I just, I wonder, I have to hit the hell out of the transfer portal. Um, and, and they get lucky right now, too, in, in one regard. The APR is out the window. You don't have to worry about it right now. So if you need to usher some kids the hell up out of here, you can do it, and it's not going to affect your APR. And you can tell those kids, have a good day. Transfer, I'll sign it. Go. have get the, If you're not bought in, leave. Leave. And then you got to hit that transfer portal. And, you know, listen, Miami lost to FIU last year. They lost to Georgia Tech last year at home. They got shut out in their bowl game. They haven't been any good in 20 years. And they were able to get some kids to, to say yes. So it's not impossible after being bad to go out and get a few kids to say yes, that helps take you a step above where you're at. I know it's a baby step, but it's possible. And they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to find some kids to come in and help them and bridge the gap right now. Yeah, they can't because they're not recruit. They're not going to recruit at a level. They're not recruiting at a Florida state level. Well, man, you're not going to, you're not going to win at a Florida state level anytime soon. They've got to recruit and get guys in here that can, they can beat, the pits of the world. Yeah, the middle league teams. In the, the NC states of the world. You know, you can recruit at that level for sure. And yeah. if you're a better coach, you're going to beat those kids. So that's the that's the step now, as crazy it is. Just put, don't even worry about five stars. They ain't coming. They'll come play basketball at Florida State now. They're not coming to play football at Florida State, so don't worry about them. You get three-star kids and four, that's all you got. Low, like four stars and three stars is what you can recruit. Maybe four stars. And get them on campus. And hopefully you're average recruiting class is ends up being better than Pitt, Boston College, NC State, Louisville, the other teams you have to play. And then if you start beating those teams, the five stars might start paying attention again. But until yeah. then you got no you've got honestly almost no realistic chance to recruit with the likes of Clemson and Georgia and LSU and well maybe not LSU but Alabama. 
Hey, Ira, Corey, do you think, I'm kind of curious about this. I don't know what you're hearing. We didn't talk before the show. I mean, we all have sources. We all talk to people. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they don't. But I, I am curious. Uh, I, I am worried. You know, you, you saw in this last game, uh, obviously, Hamza hasn't played all year long. He didn't play again. I'm going to assume he's just not going to play football. And I wouldn't any longer entertain the idea that he would. Um, you know, I does Marvin come back? I mean, does he play again this year? I mean, I'm starting to look at this and I'm beginning to wonder how many kids are going to, you know, in the midst of a two and five season, back-to-back blowout losses, uh, the amount of the freshmen and redshirt freshmen that are playing. I wonder how many of the upperclassmen that we're talking about, many of whom have not been bought in or been skeptical. And now they're losing. Um, the culture is, is not good right now in that locker room. There seems to be a divide. They're having team meetings about practice and whether or not they should practice during the bye week and all this nonsense. How many guys are just going to shut it down? I, I, I'm serious. I'm wondering about how many players are just going to say, I'm not playing anymore this year. I mean, I think the the few are the ones that you, everybody can just guess. I mean, we don't know for sure. We'll probably know more uh, this week or at least by Saturday. But yeah, I mean, you know, from what we're hearing, Marvin's banged up. Um, he hasn't been healthy for a while. And if you're in that situation and you're leaving anyway, which he is, he's not going to be back in 2021. Right. Then and the C team's not playing for anything, even if he had the best intentions. Uh, you know, get healthy, get get healthy, get ready to go to a combine, whatever else you're going to do, workouts. Um, so there's no re- news. There's no reason for him to be continuing to play through an injury or injuries um, for this season. So I, I'm sure. I feel 99% positive he's not going to be playing anymore. Tamari and Terry came back for that game, and I'll give him credit for trying. But he wasn't he was, right. He didn't, look like, he didn't look like he wanted to be out there. And he was out there for 70 snaps and got, I think, like two targets maybe. Um, so, you know, or a handful of targets. Uh, caught a couple passes. So um, it wouldn't shock me if he decided to, to, to pack it in. Uh, he hasn't been healthy either. He hasn't been healthy all year. Um, so those guys in those situations, you know, I think – it's fine for them, I think, to go to the coaches and say, look, man, I'd like to help you guys out. Just keep playing these young guys. Even if it's not an ugly situation, it just might make sense for everybody involved. Um, as far as other guys transferring, I mean, you know, or, or, or opting out and, and preparing for life after Florida State, look at who's not playing. I mean, and look at that game on Saturday. You had Warren Thompson standing 30 yards away from the rest of the team. Somebody somebody joked to me that he looked like Coach Bowden in the last few years. Where he'd be like, <laughs> yeah, he took out his notebook and wrote down some things to say in half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little handkerchief. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, just he was completely detached from the team. Are they going to have another meeting with him and try to convince him? No, I mean, what, no, whatever, man. Never had the first so, one. yeah, and, then, you know, and there's some other guys that are sophomores and juniors who just aren't playing. Um, and you can look at the participation chart and see maybe they played a little bit earlier this year. They're not playing anymore. You wouldn't expect many of those guys or any of them to be back. So it's not hard to figure out. They're going to lose some guys. The problem is, and this is what, if I was John Thrasher, maybe his, his parting act as Florida State's president because he's retiring is go to tap into his legislative experience and his lawmaking experience uh, in terms of finding lobbyists. And he's done some lobbying, I believe, as well. Lobby the NCAA to change the rule on how many people you can bring in a year because the problem right now is you can kill it in the transfer portal, but you can still only bring in 25 or so new players. Right. So so they can't lose. I don't care at all about losing 90% of the guys they might lose, but you also have to replace those bodies. And the, the, right now you can only bring in 25 or so. I really think there's a possibility they may have to relax that rule this year because – 
you're going to have so many grad transfers and seniors transferring because this year didn't count. Think of all the seniors across the country who finished, who played their fourth, fourth or fifth year at their college and got their degree and they're on an average team or a team they don't really love and they've got a chance to go somewhere again next year. Like that is going to be way bigger than it's ever been before. And schools like Florida State can partake in that, but you also have to hire, sign some freshmen. You have to sign some high school guys. So yeah, it's a balancing act. They, well, they, do, the they can do what they did with baseball, right? Like just make it a unlimited roster size for one season because it's not fair. Emmett Rice has another chance to come back and play again. Is Florida State going to say no? Or you know? Emmett Rice, or Emmett Rice can go to you know, no, no, you know, Nebraska. No, but he might not want to. My I know, point is, he might not want to. I it, agree. You're going to have over 85, so they need to make it at least. A, they need to expand well, it to at least 100 for one no. season. That's going to happen. I'm sure of that. Oh, okay. They're going to expand that. What I'm saying is they need to allow you to bring in more than 25. They yeah, need to sure. let you bring yeah. in – because if all these schools are just swapping seniors, which I think is what you're going to see a lot of, a lot of schools are just going to be swapping grad transfers, everybody trying to find a fresh start, there's not going to be room to sign the high school kids. You know, very few schools – I mean, the, 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 the high, kids coming out of high school, I don't know what the total number of kids that sign in a year is – you know, you figure 110 FBS schools times 25 kids. Well, there's not going to be those spots. So I really yeah. think they're, they they need to look at maybe having an exemption for grad transfers, not counting or something like that. And if something like that happens, which I don't know if it will, that might help because that, that's yeah. going to be the problem is they got to replace, they gotta, they're going to have to replace 40 or 45 people probably, all, all things considered. And it, you can't do that if you only have 25 spots. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So on that note with uh, grad transfers and the transfer portal and balancing that with recruiting, I mean, what you really have to do, the bulk of, it's like you don't want to build your NFL franchise through free agency. you got to build it through the draft because then you can mold those players into what you're trying to do. And in college, it's even more important. you got to get kids on the ground floor, buy into your culture, commit to you, and you can shape them the way that you want to. So I, I, I agree with you. I think the vast majority of what's going to help this program flip is in recruiting high school kids. I think when I talk about grad transfers, I'm trying to find five, six guys. Five, six guys that – if you look at what Miami did, right – got a quarterback, they got a lineman, they got a defensive end, they got a linebacker. They got four or five guys that really helped flip who they are. And they already had a better roster than Florida State, so they were able to kind of turn around a little bit quicker. But if, if you look at it, if you, if you were able to find, you know, an offensive lineman like you just did with Devontae Love-Taylor, look at the difference he made. I mean, that that's yeah. one guy, and he changed the complexion of your entire offensive line. So you get another guy like that, and then you find another guy like that on the other side of the ball – Maybe a tight end. They had one, unfortunately, because, of course, he got hurt. <laughs> That's how this year's going to go. Um, they had a guy, uh, the Wilson kid from UCLA, right? Yep. Um, so, they, you know, you got to find a few of those kinds of guys that will help bridge the gap, go through your middling-ass season next year, but just make marginal improvements so people begin to see that this is moving forward in the proper direction. I don't think you can get I – don't, I don't want anybody to get the idea that I was suggesting you bring in 15 players in the transfer portal. I don't think you can. Well, Miami only brought in like six, but they right. happened to get 
you know, an elite quarterback for a co- an elite college quarterback, the best kicker available, yeah. uh, probably the best defensive end available, and another guy was the number one player in the country coming out of high school, right? In the in another offensive lineman that's starting, like they literally hit home runs on all of them. They didn't get any Miko Dotsons. All their guys are playing. Who knows what Me- the deal with Miko Dotson? He's got an that, injury of some sort. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Going back to last segment, Norvell doesn't do these guys any favors. Um, not talking at all about Nashville Dean makes it seem, and it might be true, like he's just opting out. enough to play, but he doesn't want to. Well, if that's the case, he doesn't need to be around the team, in my opinion. And it makes it look like Marvin Wilson is healthy enough to play and doesn't want to because he doesn't tell us about these injuries. And it is such an odd season. And there is COVID, so you wonder, uh, if Florida State fans are right to wonder, does Nashville Dean just not care enough to play? The guy that made 22 tackles in the Boston College game last year, that guy all of a sudden doesn't care enough to play for Florida State – but Norvell won't tell us he's he's slow going. He's really trying. He he just keeps he keeps pushing the goalposts and, and saying the same thing every week. Well, we like what he's doing. We we're trusting the process. Oh, Hampson's not playing again. He could have he could have ended all this a month ago if Hampson wasn't going to play. I mean, there's you know it depends on who you talk to, man. There's some people say that he was going to come back midway through the season, but had a setback in practice. And and the the whole COVID thing is they don't the I, he was never going to talk about injuries much anyway. But the problem with COVID is once you start talking about certain things, but I can't talk about that because your lawyers at the school tell you you can't talk about COVID. Well, now it's it's pretty apparent. Okay, well that must be COVID. I mean, it's just a, it's a weird situation. The whole thing's weird. I'm not saying he's done handled it all the right way, um, but uh, you know, but you know, just, there's a, there's a there's situation. half this fan base that thinks Hampson doesn't care. I don't know that that's true, but it's not. He's not being helped by being so tight lipped about Hampson. Uh, and us not even knowing about Marvin, it seems like, like Jeff said, it seems like they're just shutting it down. And if they are shutting it down, which is certainly within their rights, I mean, they're going to go try to make millions of dollars, and this is their careers on the line. Um, you know, if that is the case, I, you know, I don't know that maybe you want your players seeing guys that are too good, feel like they're too good or too valuable to play for the team that they're on. I don't know. But I, I do think that's probably more validity to Hampson was going to. It wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense to take him on the road. It wouldn't make sense for yeah. to keep talking about it week after week if you really knew he was. Why would you do that to yourself for eleven weeks? Answer questions about him. Um, but I, you know, there's there's a lot of the fans that think Hamsa can go kick rocks, and that's not really fair to Hamsa. Yeah, I know it's not fair to Hamsa, and I hope he doesn't pay attention to those fans who would would reach out to him or say something negative to him. Um, you know, I, I'm not naive. I'm sure that happens. That's a lunatic fringe that we see, but. I think for the most part, um, you know, most people would respect at this point his decision. There's no reason for Hampson to play now. I don't know why. No. No, I mean, there's no reason for him to play. So I'm going to assume that he's not playing. Uh, I don't think there's a reason for Marvin to play the rest of the season. Uh, Terry, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on Terry. He didn't look healthy to me in this last game. I think he tried to give it a go, which is admirable. I don't think he's healthy. The situation with our offense isn't really conducive for him to, to make plays, but I think he needs to put some stuff on tape. I, yeah. I, but, it, but if he's not healthy, what is he putting on tape? No, correct. And, it's not healthy. Then don't yeah. play. But I, I, I wonder he, he could come back. Um, he, he may I, not. I, I don't think he's coming back. Well, um, probably not, but he, he could. If he, he was going to play college football again next season and literally he can go to anywhere in the country and play, I don't know that he would. Even if he was decided right. to come back, right. he'd be like, okay, who's going to be throwing me the ball? Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll go I'll go to wherever. Clemson, I, apparently. I feel like Altmaier is going to come in and light it up, guys. 
Hey, that's the play. That's the, that's what we got to have. That's what we got to have. That's what we're all looking forward to. Hey, the basket basketball schedule came out, boys. And let's do it next on Seminole Headlines. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, the basketball schedule is out. Ira alluded to it. Final segment, first hour. Corey, you've got it in front of you. Fire away, baby. Let's go. Let's well, talk I, about the ACC champion, Knowles. Last what, time we saw what them, do you want to know? Number four in the country is what we saw. Preseason think- now, they're number 21. Uh, I want to know uh, how soon our first significant victory happens. It's, it, it gets Florida first, right? Is that it? Indiana. Okay. Yeah, well, Georgia Tech is the first game on December 15th is the first conference game. Boom. 1-0. Well, no, I don't know. When is Indiana, Ira? Indiana is December 9th, and Florida is December 12th. So those are your first three and two chances well, of marquee Three start to the season right well, there? Well, you'd be 5-0 because you got Gardner-Webb and North Florida first. A couple well, of 2 start to the season right there, boys? You're, you're calling, uh, hey, don't you're start calling. counting W's yet, Ira. It's going to be a weird season. That wasn't yeah. me counting W's. That was him. Oh, you're right. Well, you're right. Sorry. So I'm, count, I'm counting Gardner-Webb in North Florida. That's why I say it. Don't start counting those as W's. He's counting Indiana and Florida. That North Florida team can shoot. But, yeah, for the ACC purposes, it's 20 games, right, again? Yeah. Um, and they're, they're crossover games. The teams they play twice, it looks like Georgia Tech, Clemson, Miami, and North Carolina. Oh, roll it out there. Roy gets fast kickings. All right. I love so it. So they get, they get Duke and North Carolina at home this season. Duke is the third conference game uh, home on January 2nd. And then everything else is normal college, college basketball stuff. Do you see where – How so many games play, total, Ira? 24? 24-25. Uh, they play North Carolina both twice, home and away. I just um, said that. Oh, did you? I thought you just said they got them at home. Oh, my bad. My bad. I mean, come on, guys. Multitasking, on, guys. multitasking over here. I, I, I'm listening, man. I'm just, I'm just envisioning all the wins. I'm just sitting here thinking about another run at an ACC championship, taking home back-to-back ACC titles, and um, and so there's in 25 a, games on the schedule. How many actually get played? Seven. Have y'all paid attention to these numbers? It's outrageous. So the SEC is going to shut down. Um, I, I I truly wonder that. I know they want to have fans in the in the arena, but is that is that realistic? No, it doesn't uh, seem to be right now. I mean, they're going they're going to sell tickets. They're you know we'll see how many. Um, you know, I maybe mean, twelve hundred, maybe something like that. So between a thousand and two thousand at most. How long it lasts, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't. I do think it's easier to manage a basketball team than it is to manage a football team, so that helps. Um, you also have smaller numbers. If there is any immunity, um, or you know, that comes with having it before, which we think there is, at least for in the short term, uh, you know, a lot of these guys have already had it because um, they're college students. So I don't think, and, and you know, the the problem is going to be it's a little bit harder to space those guys out in terms of contact tracing right. is w- with football. At football, you're on the practice field. And you can keep them moving around, so you're not you know you're not in one space with somebody for 15 minutes. Uh, basketball is going to be a little bit different, so we'll see. Um, but as far as this team goes, I mean, we can't, I'm not going to sit here and talk about COVID. But as far as this team goes, uh, it's it's fascinating. I mean, it's it really is because they're the expectations over there from that staff are that this team could be as good or better. That's impossible to even wrap your mind around when you consider they lost two lottery picks and Trent Forrest, who's, in my money, is one of the top handful of point guards in the school's history. But, you know, Scotty Barnes is apparently another world. 
uh, kind of guy and once in a lifetime kind of player. And then they brought in some other nice players and they have seven of their top 11 guys back from last season. So they definitely should be good. Um, I'm just curious to see how quickly that develops. Man, but we'll know against we'll know against Gardner Webb. I uh I know this. I was I was emboldened and excited and uh and 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 buoyed by seeing that picture of Raekwon Gray actually being shaped for the first time in his life. That is incredible. Looking so good. You got so you got Raekwon Gray, Raekwon Evans, got the Quans back. We're good there. Yeah. Obviously, you bring in like we already talked about Scotty Barnes, um, MJ you know, Walker, yeah, uh, Kelly Gosborn. Can't wait to watch Balsa. Yeah. There's, no, dude, they got players. That's what this program is now. I'm not even joking. I mean, you lose what you just described in Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell, and yet here you go. You look at this roster and you go, yeah, they, they should probably be top four in the ACC. That's just what they do. Yeah, it's hard to imagine they'll be better. I mean, you can't. You just can't. That's not. I don't think that's unless Scotty Barnes. And we all know Scotty Barnes is going to be really good, but he has to be next level, like Carmelo type good, to to overcome those three guys that they lost. Those yeah, were the three I best mean, players, three of their three of the best players in the country. It turns out. What, what um, if he is? What if he is? He could be. That's, he could be. A, the Calhoun kid is uh, apparently just a knockdown, lights out shooter, a really athletic. Uh, guy that can like a Tim Pickett clone. Not a, he's not going to score like Pickett because who would? Um, at, with Florida State, this you know the way it is now, it's structured. But yeah, they got players. It's just a matter of uh, you know it's hard to count on first year players to do what those guys were doing defensively. But then Patrick Williams did it. So um, you know Scotty Barnes. We we expect Scotty Barnes to be better than Patrick Williams, right? And Patrick 100%. Williams is awesome. Well, and that's the thing that that people compare. You know, when you think of the elite players Florida State signed, and they've signed some elite players during this run, you know, Jonathan Isaac ended up being a top 10 pick. Uh, you know, Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams both might be, but, and they weren't that highly recruited, recruited coming out of high school as, as Scotty Barnes was. But literally, there are people around the program who have seen Scotty Barnes play who think he might be the best player in the country. Like, they're, they, like, not just an elite player, but like everything you'd want. You know, and it's you don't want to put too much into one player, but like he's apparently unbelievably gifted uh, offensively, great vision, tremendous defensive player, and then is hard nosed and as tough minded as you'd ever come across. So yeah, like competitor. That's that's. I mean, it, you know, we haven't seen him, but and literally anybody who has seen him, that's how they describe him. Um, I, we've never if he is what people are saying he is, we've never seen anything like it. Can he play safety just for a couple of games? <laughs> Good question. Um, no, I, I, Ira, I, I, I'm speaking to some of the same sources you are. We, we know of one, um, and and there's some people real close to that program. We all have good sources there. They can't stop talking about him, and they have to catch themselves because they know how it sounds. And and they're like, look, said I, I, I don't want to put undue pressure on the young man, but he's special. I think the most exciting thing that I've been told anyhow is that he's also smart and he's picked up the defensive principles very quickly. And that's important to me because ham doesn't care who you are. If you can't defend or you don't know where to be on the court, he's not to play you the kind of minutes that you would want to see a superstar player play. You got to know what you're doing. And uh, the fact that he understood and picked up the defensive principles quickly, that's huge. And also, I, I hope people understand this isn't a normal superstar college basketball. This isn't Anthony Edwards. Uh, Scotty Barnes isn't going to shoot a ton. 
he's not going to score a ton. His his impact is think of like Draymond Green esque. Like yeah. it's defense, it's assists, it's rebounding. He's not a guy that's going to average twenty a game. Don't think that he's not a great shooter. I mean, I don't think he's a good shooter. But he does everything else. He does so many things at an elite level, apparently. But don't don't expect that. Oh man, he's going to average twenty two a game. Number one, who LeBron wouldn't average twenty two at Florida State. He doesn't get enough minutes. Right. Um, right. But he's gonna but he's gonna he's gonna impact the game in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and that's exciting. Uh, I don't I mean anymore. I don't ever expect any Florida State player to average anywhere close to twenty points. I don't need them to just keep winning games the way they win games. It's endearing. Uh, people have uh, embraced it. More importantly, the players have embraced it. They don't mind giving up those minutes and those points because they see that these guys are still getting drafted in the first round. Just Doesn't keep matter. eating those keep eating those W's, right? That's right. Like That's uh, right. Jameis did on Sunday night. <laughs> that was, that was yeah. great. All right. Uh, we got to get the headliner questions. We're going to do it next. Hang in. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next.